From Hong Kong, Chicago, and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 135. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. Hello. And hello, Perry. Hello. Episode 135. Now, that sounds like we could potentially do an episode about a focal length of a lens, but I can't think of one. Although I can remember that we did 135mm lenses in episode 11, um, and that was because it was connected to the Jupiter 11. I think that was the reason why we did did it back in, uh, what, two years ago or so. Um, So, no no particular uh, 135mm talk. uh, What about 135 film? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, there is that. Yeah, but we haven't planned for that either, have we? So uh, not going to actually plan for anything at all. Um, uh, because uh, we've we've not been here for a couple of weeks. Um, and again, as as has been the way, it's been quite difficult to get the three of us together. Um, and daylight savings time changes have made it even harder. Because it's, <laughs> Perry isn't even in the same day as Johnny and uh, myself at the moment. Uh, what time is it over in Hong Kong at the moment, Perry? It is 12.18 a.m. I thought daylight savings time was going to move things in the productive direction, and clearly it has moved in the other direction. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for being a trooper and uh, staying staying up for us there, Perry. Um, All good. Yeah. Um, So uh, last time we did something of an email show, and we didn't get to the end of the emails, and we're going to try... And do the same um, this time. Oh, there you go the stranglers again. Not quite. Uh, and uh, there's a reasonable chance we might not even get to the end of them this time because we have loads of emails and loads of really, really good emails. Um, but we're going to do a, a little bit of a catch up first, uh, a pretty brief one, and uh, then we'll go over to those. So um, I think first we'll head over to Hong Kong where things are just are so good. Uh, the opposition um, in parliament, in the local parliament there, have decided that they don't need to be there anymore because it's just so good. So uh, how's it going, Perry? Uh, yeah, I, I'm doing okay. Hong Kong is, is royally screwed. Um, I mean, they've just been slowly chipping away while everyone's been distracted by other things elsewhere in the world. So pretty screwed up over here. We don't have an opposition in the legislature anymore, although they didn't really do much before anyway. Um, and... Oh man, they're just they're just cracking down on on everything left, right, and center. That I've I've my solution is I just stop reading the news because um, there's nothing I can do, and it is uh, thoroughly infuriating. So, you know, there's that. But apart from Hong Kong being screwed up, I haven't really been doing much. I've been really busy with work, so I haven't. I, I barely touched a camera in the last couple of weeks. Um, today I did though. I went I went for a little shoot with a friend this morning. And uh, we're just walking around with cameras. And I, I decided to shoot a camera that I haven't used uh, in a long time or a lens that I don't think I've ever used. It's the Topcore um, RE Auto 35 2.8 on the RE Super. <coughs> so I went shooting with that because, you know, it's supposedly a really, really good lens. And the thing that always surprises me or, or always kind of strikes me when I use that lens is how ridiculously close the minimum focusing distance is. Um, so, you know, I, I figured some of the things that we were going to be looking at this morning, I would want to get reasonably close. And this thing, like the minimum focus distance is basically almost touching the lens. Wow. It's about two or three centimeters away from touching the lens. So that's, that's super sweet. 
I do. I, I do wonder if there's something about 35 millimeter lenses because the, the Fletigon, or at least the 2.4 Fletigon, that goes really, really close. And I've seen a few other lenses that go go pretty close as well. So I, I just wonder if there's something about the optical configuration of 35 mil lenses that allows that to happen. I have no idea. I mean, I, I'm usually using them on a rangefinder, so my minimum focus is around a meter to 0.7. So it was, it was just a shock to me. Like, oh man, these 35 millimeter lenses can focus that close. But is that the, is that the, the 35 2.8 Perry? Yeah. The RE auto. Yeah. Uh, the exact amount. I, I'm looking at mine right now and yeah, it's marked to 0.23 meter. <laughs> right. But the lens is so big that yeah. 0.23 meters, it's pretty much touching the front, almost touching the front. Right. Of the yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's nuts, and so I got some cool close-ups. I, I haven't been able to develop the film because I think my fixer is dead. Um, I'm not sure though because I, I I mixed it up relatively recently this batch, and it's Ilford Rapid Fixer, which I switched to um, recently from Coda Coda Fix because it, it it seems to help with the triax curl, but the the fixer turned black, and I don't know if I'm still if I can still use it. Oh, it turned black. Nasty. Yeah, it's black. It, it turned black. So I, I don't. I don't really want to. Use I bet it. it. Did you? Did you smell it? Does it smell really nasty? Uh, no, I haven't smelled it. Um, oh, go smell it right now. What's it? What's it supposed to smell like? <laughs> just, just, no, just go. Just go. Just go. Just do live smell test. Just go grab it. Okay, you guys and, talk among yourselves. I'm gonna go okay. get it and smell it. Excellent. So, for the for the benefit of our listeners now, um, would you describe? Uh, the 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 smell of good fixer, John. Um, uh, good fixer smell. Um, I don't know. How, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think how to describe the smell of good fixer. I don't know, but I know what bad fixer smells <laughs> like. That's why I wanted him to go open it and smell it so, on air. So it actually looks like the fixer is okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you can see. It looks like it's just left a bunch of black deposit on the side of the bottle, which oh, might be okay. which might be silver, which is which is which should be fine. Okay, I'm gonna smell it. I feel like I'm say, doing a malort malort tasting. I was gonna say you can you can you can taste it too if you want. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say uh, oh dear. I'm gonna try it again. <laughs> oh. F- does it smell like a, a jug full of rotten eggs? Yeah, that's yeah. a really good description. But but but, but with with ammonia. Yes. Added. Oh, yeah. Fun. It's right. So it's pissing rotten eggs. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. That's def- that's exhausted fixer. You don't want to use that. <laughs> but I just I just mixed this up like pretty recently. Oh, it's pretty recently. A couple weeks ago. Oh. I've used it like twice, but but. It was. It, I was using a one a other batch of fixer for ages, and so the 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 raw stuff was sitting in the bottle for a long time, and it had a bunch of precipitate when I mixed oh, it. Up, when I mixed it up. Okay. Yeah, that's not good. So it might have died before I mixed it, but it, it that's smells. that's possible because it smells like rotten eggs and piss. Then you're it's it's toast. So I should not use this. No, I mean you could you could do a you could snip off a piece of film and throw oh, it yeah. and just see if it clears. But 
It doesn't sound promising. Actually, just 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 on the subject of that, because I when I first got back into using film or getting interested in using film, um, I would hear this term snip test, and and I never it, it never really uh, it was never really explained to me. I've, I've now I know what a snip well, test is, now, it, but is it worth it? Well, is it cover it? This is a little different than a snip test. This would just be like you could just take like the leader yeah. of the film that you you know you would usually cut off and toss anyway. Mm-hmm. You just throw the leader in there, and if it clears the leader, it means that it will clear the film, and the fixer will probably work. Although it seems to me, whenever I do that, and it's on the edge, it clears my leader, and then I go to actually use it, and it's like not nah, not going to work. Um, so, so, but that's just that's just testing the, you know, if it, the fixer still. A snip test is a little different. A snip test is would be typically when you would uh, literally snip off let's say a couple of frames and process them. And then based on that, you would know how to either expose or develop the rest of the role. Right. So but like I, the, uh, way back in the day, there were times when I was working for the commercial photographer where you would go do a snip test. You would go over from the studio while they were set up for the shoot. You do a snip test, wait at the lab for them to develop the snip test go back to the studio and then you would adjust based on the snip test at the right. studio while they were still waiting there. <laughs> so, but I don't think the world does that anymore. And that was no. E6. That was an E6 snip test. <laughs> right. You would only do that when it's high stakes film. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. like a, you know, decent budget shoot. So, yeah. but yeah, that, that was a thing. I literally did that shuttle work. But just go, going back to testing the, uh, the, the leader, um, mm-hmm. And just just be completely uh, to help people that if you're going from a, a point where I still don't know what they mean by by clearing the film, as in your film when you when you when it's when you first get it and you, when you take a, before you take a photograph of it, you'll see the the bit that sticks out of it. That's of, of the cartridge. Um, yeah, that's that's the leader. And what we're talking yeah. about when you actually look at that film, it's opaque. And mm-hmm. then right. when you actually put that, if you cut that leader off or part of the leader and put it into a, a receptacle of some description and with some uh, fixer and you drop that bit into it after a period of time and how, how long johnny do you think is a, a reasonable amount of time i mean, it'll clear should, and go it, it so you be, can see through it it, it should be yeah it depends on the fixer but it should be three or four minutes it's re- be relatively opaque and then five or six minutes it should be really clear without a tint like i I find a lot of times the develop the fixer, it'll clear the film, but it's there's still so much tint to the base that it hasn't really cleared it all the way. So you'll get like a very pink, purplish pink tint to the film, and it's so it's not really it's not really fully cleared. So you end up having to <laughs> mix another batch of fix and re-clear the film anyway. So it's. You know, to, to me, like if I'm going to do that test, the film has to be really clear. It can't have a, you know, a really bad tint to it still. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe I'll do that. I mean, I usually do a, a leader test on every role I develop anyway. So m- maybe I'll do that. But I, I don't really want to use this anymore because it smells so bad. I don't really want that smell in my house. No. Yeah, that would be nasty. Yeah. It's it's gross. Ugh. Although I could keep this here and just wait until your malort arrives. And then yeah, uh, it would probably taste better than the Malort side side by side comparison. Yeah, um, but but back to uh, 
back to Simon's point about 35 millimeter lenses, I, I think you're onto something there because it it's not just the close focus distance, right? But like on range finders, 35 millimeter lenses are often much more compact than their 28 and uh, sometimes like 50 millimeter counterparts. So perhaps there's something about that focal length that lends itself to a more compact design, which when it's on an SLR and it's moved forward, that would translate to a closer focusing distance. Um, just on a on a, on another note, because uh, you're still in the uh, the second month of uh, No Nut November, um, mm. where you're not buying any uh, any any lenses and things, and yeah, and you've started this off by saying that you've used you're now playing with a lens that you've never used before, and that that strikes me as is a coping strategy that you put in place for the for this No Nut November and October, where you would just buy a load of lenses and say I'm not going to touch those and I'm going to use them in the in the months where I can't buy any new lenses and that will actually do it for me. Well, that would indicate a, a huge amount of forward planning on my part uh, for this No Not November, because that means all those lenses I bought before would have, would have been part of some grand plan. Nah, nah. That's a conspiracy theory, Simon. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> but, I mean, here's a good lens. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the results. I just can't develop. Um, I, have, I have one role that I finished developing and then I got this one and I, I need to wait. Sorry, that I finished shooting and I got this one. So I need to wait until I get a new fixer before I can see what's on it. Yeah. Cool. Um, are we, shall we head over to Chicago, uh, Perry? Or have you got anything else you want to just uh, cover off quickly? Uh, no, that's it. Um, focusing with the Topcon RE Super was uh, one of the most tedious experiences in, in recent memory. Uh, so <laughs> SLRs, mm, I don't know, man. Okay, so, oh, but that's, yeah. so is, this, is this because it's just an SLR, is it, or is there something about the lens that you find it hard to focus? Not the lens, the camera. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah, the uh, yeah, the, 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 the focusing screen is is not my cup of tea. No, you know? no, and yeah, uh, like the 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 Olympus Pen or the uh, Pentax Spotmatic, those focus screens. I have a much easier time. I mean, with SLRs, I still struggle, but this one is just yeah. everything looks the same, no matter where I focus. Yeah, I've 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 completely uh, been um, I've gone gone down the view that since uh, Johnny sent me down the Minolta camera route and then put your exacta lenses onto a Minolta, um, I think that's just the way. I just I don't I don't uh, I don't have any mm. um, desires to use any exact amount lenses cameras anymore now because I just don't see the point <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well i mean this one's got stop down well, not stop down metering but like you know the the aperture stops down when you shoot it so that is convenient but w w without a focusing screen that's usable it, it kind of defeats the purpose so yeah i i i think i'm at a point where i'm gonna sell that camera because i i can just use the lens on a minolta I mean, I, there's no reason that for me to actually use that camera body anymore for anything. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, it's nice. It's beautiful. But I just, I don't have a need to use it anymore. So, I need to send it away. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful camera and it feels great in the hand. It just, I, you can't focus. Yeah. So, Johnny, um, anything been happening in America in the last couple of weeks? Um. Uh, no, not really. 
Yeah. Fair enough. You know, same old, same old thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> same old thing. Any any good food? Um, uh, I ate at the brand new Portillos that just opened a block from my house. So that's big news. Uh, it's only the third one in Chicago, and they have wisely chose chosen to locate it like a block from my house. Good move. So I could eat there every day now. I could walk. I could walk there. I could ride my bike through the drive-through and eat there every day. So I went on the sort of probably made the mistake of going on the first Saturday night they were open, and it took me fifty minutes to get through the drive-through. <laughs> so they had the serpentine double line through the drive-through, and everybody had the same idea to go to the new Portillos. So, um, but it was excellent. So it's it was it was worth the wait. Uh, so I will be returning there soon. Hopefully, well, I, I was, was going to say I think it's it, it's absolutely right that we do talk about food uh, and and Chicago food in in, in general, um, as as much because uh, in the well the the post for our last podcast, which was two weeks ago now, and the comments um, from from that podcast, there are eighty nine comments. Uh, on that post in the Classic Lenses podcast Facebook group. And not a single one of those 89 posts is about photography, cameras, lenses, none of them. Which, not which I consider to be the greatest success and achievement ever of this podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because, because, it, because it proves it doesn't matter what the f*** we talk about. We don't, I mean, we can say the word lens twice in the episode and it's a classic lenses podcast episode but we can actually talk about interesting things and not just cameras and lenses it's like we can actually just have an interesting conversation it's uh, to me that's amazing we've we've crossed we've crossed the line from you know niche podcast to like actual just normal Mm. podcast is is pretty remarkable very remarkable um well, there you go. There you go. Um, and uh, I'm thinking uh, that we are quite short of time. So perhaps we might um, do do some pent-up energy on food on, on another show. And we should uh, head over to something that I've, I've trailered um, um, this afternoon. Uh, and that's the fact that I've, uh, I've had a little go at testing uh, two lenses. Um, one lens is, uh, I've actually had both of them for some time. One of them is a Konica 57 uh, 1.2, and it is my favorite uh, standard lens, uh, 51.2, or you know, it's a 57, but you know, a, uh, a normal lens, uh, fast normal. I, I love that lens, it's, 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 it's beautiful, it's lovely. Um, but recently I picked up, um, and I think I touched upon it a few weeks ago, a, a Pentax 51.2. And that's a lens that's passing through. Um, but before, and actually, the main reason it's passing through is because I, I've never con- really considered keeping it because it focuses the wrong way, uh, which we know is um, a real problem with uh, Pentax and Nikon lenses. Um, and it's undisputed. And um, so, so I knew it wasn't, it wasn't going to be staying with me. And, um, and Hamish, Hamish Gill of 35mmc fame, he, he dropped me a line saying, what are you doing with that lens? Was he quite you know, reasonably gathered that I wasn't going to be keeping it. 
and uh, and it's going to be heading over to him uh, quite soon. Now, I, I don't I don't wish to uh, denigrate this lens too much because he hadn't actually committed to buying it yet. Um, so I may I may not give you my full opinion on the lens uh, until he's actually given me the cash. Um, but uh, I just did a a very very quick test with my Sony uh, my A7 Mark II, um, and just just took a shot wide open, um, and and it was just of a a shirt uh, that had been that was hanging up. It was airing in the in the conservatory, and I I used the. Um, uh, the zoom function uh, to shoot wide open and uh, focus on a very very specific uh, point on the label of, in fact of this uh, of, the, of this shirt um, and and pretty much use that as a definitive test for how good the, the two lenses are um, so we, yeah it's probably not quite that definitive uh, but uh, yeah a single test just for sharpness um, and ease of use and uh, just just to compare and contrast and it was it was as, as much as that sounded like a pretty unpromising uh, definitive test it was still quite interesting because a, a couple of things uh, stood out from it now when I'd actually used the the Pentax lens before uh, because I took a couple of shots of uh, Fraser Yule in the, in, the, in this house and uh, and we talked about it because we compared that to the uh, the post 135 1.8 uh, that I picked up at the same time and uh, I was moaning about that pause saying it was, it was hard to focus and uh, and so on whereas the the Pentax just snapped into focus really easily by comparison uh, because it was a, a much higher contrast lens and it was it was interesting because I actually did find that the the Konica was ever so slightly easier to focus uh, for me and then when you actually zoom in um, it did actually. It is actually slightly sharper as well, in, in my opinion. I'll, we'll put the pictures up in the Facebook group so you can uh, take take a look at them there. Um, but the the thing that actually really stood out between the two shots, I mean, there is a difference in focal length, which you know, which sort of that, when you do comparison shots, that does tend to favour the uh, the the longer focal length because it it tends to be a little bit more punchy. Um, in the, in the way that it's it's presented, but putting that to one side, there's a huge difference in the in the, in the two shots uh, that, that that are shown, and the the Pentax is is very cold it seems, um, but it may not be because it's cold. It may actually just because the the Konica is radioactive, and mm. and it gives a, um, a it, wait, there's a yellow tint to it. Um, when you look at it in isolation, it doesn't look to me. It, it just looks quite like a like nice warm colours, but it could be a, that kind of that kind of light. Um, but you, you you put them side by side, and the Pentax is is way cool. Um, and it's as if like they're just at different ends of the spectrum. And I think for, for me that just shows one of the things I, I really like radioactive lenses for for that reason you know they yeah. warm the picture up, and it's not necessarily because that's what you see and that's life. It's just I. I just just like warmer pictures. I mean, I don't. You've you've seen the the the, the photos, Perry. I don't know if uh, Johnny has, but uh, I mean, what what are your thoughts? I I totally agree on the color tint. Um, I mean, I think my my radioactive uh, SMC Tacmar is one of my favorites in terms of the color uh, for that very reason. But I, I mean, I think I've seen a lot more pictures out of that Konica than the Pentax fifty one point two. You don't. It's not a lens that you see as often as, I mean, I would, I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's a lens that everyone knows about, but you just don't see used very often. But the Konica, you see it all over the place, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a pretty distinct 
Well, well, it's certainly the case that this was the, you know, I picked this lens up and I've been you know, buying and selling lenses reasonably seriously for about five years now. And mm. I've only once held that lens and it was one that had been somebody bodged and uh, you couldn't even turn the focus ring anymore. Um, so, but even, even the holding, a, holding a broken 51.2, I was impressed with it um, because it's, it's a, you know, mechanically, it's, it's a, like all decent Pentax lenses. Yeah, they're, they're very good mechanically. And um, and when I used, I say I, I was I was really really impressed with the results. And as much as like I'm I'm having, I'm not really having a go at it by saying it's not as sharp as the Konica. I mean that's that's a bit of a nonsense really. Because we're talking at one point two and pixel peeping. Um, when you actually come out of the picture, they 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 both delivering excellent results in in their own way. And it's it's as much about which you prefer between between the two of them really. But the but you just don't come across the the, the Pentax one point two, the fifty one point two. It's just it's in the same ways. I don't, I don't come across many. In fact, I've never come across a an Olympus fifty one point two in my time. I've come across the fifty five, but I've never come across the fifty one point two. So there's just a few lenses out there that just seem to be really uncommon. Yeah, or the people who have them just don't use them for some whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, that's the other side with these fifty one point two lenses, or you know these. Very fast normals, yeah. They're, they're lenses that a lot of us wish to own, um, but we rarely use. But we're glad we've got yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, the, the the other point there is, you know, a lot of people will actively try to de-yellow their yellowed radioactive lenses. Um, and I, I'm with you. I think it's it's a feature rather than a bug. Um, I mean, I wouldn't pay more for a lens that's yellowed, but I I do think in general they make color photographs look better. Johnny, have you got anything to say on that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so that's the uh, the, the definitive um, Pentax 51.2 uh, lens. It's um, test. It's a, it's a, it's a good lens. Uh, there's no two ways about it. It's just not for me because it's not yellow enough. Uh, I think that's, that's all there is to be said. So on that note, um, shall we do what we said we're going to do and do some emails? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go for it. So, uh, are you teed up, Johnny? I am. Um, we have email number one from Jorge Grillo from September 30th. That's not that long ago, right? Not really. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, hello. Hello, Simon, Perry, and Johnny. This is Jorge from San Diego. I'm the one who sent you those scribbles on Euclidean yeah, geometry applied to focal length and field of view that you kindly covered it during episode 126. Yes, remember that very well. Um, this is a small world. Ooh, this is going to get philosophical. This is a small world. In a move that can only be explained by complete insanity, I decided to pursue an opportunity that will take me to Chicago. Oh, you poor bastard. After 26 years, you're moving here, you crazy f After 26 years in sunny and warm all year, no, no, I, I can't even read that. What, what are you thinking, Jorge? You're going to move to Chicago? I mean, okay, you're going to visit here, fine. You're going to move to Chicago from San Diego. That is the most insane thing I have ever heard in my life. That is straight up insanity. Okay, anyway, not my, not, not my circus, not my monkeys. Uh, Johnny, would you – Johnny, would love an opportunity to meet at some point and perhaps go shooting together, although not at midnight. Well, yeah, we could go shooting guns at midnight. 
That would work. Um, I want to try some Malort as well. I'm moving on the weekend of October 3rd. My workplace is in Itasca, but I will be staying in East Lincoln Park. Please respond to this email if you would like to meet at some point face-to-face, mask and all. Thank you in regards to the great podcast. Jorge, wow. Okay, so first thing, <laughs> first thing, you're, you're, yeah. You're you're working in Itasca, which but you're living in Lincoln Park. Now there is no East Lincoln Park, it's just Lincoln Park. But East Lincoln Park means he's probably living like literally on the park, which is a very, very nice place to live. Um, it's a very nice place to live. But that means you're gonna be commuting to Itasca. And I'm hoping, I guess maybe because the world is not actually going to the office, that might not be too bad, but on a normal commute day at rush hour that's about an hour and a half so uh not only have you chosen to move to one of the shittiest cities in the united states of america from the best city in the united states of america you're not even really living in the city you're just commuting a lot so i you really have my sympathies um so yes i would love to meet and 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 talk, try to talk some sense into you and see if it's possible for you to unmove to Chicago and go back to San Diego would be my, would be probably what I would say, but absolutely by all means, we could do that. That would be great. I mean, you could have, you could have just moved to Indiana if you're going to do that. It's, you know, you you might as well, you might, I don't know. I, I, oh man, I Tasca. That's rough. That's really rough. (laughs) <laughs> Itasca is essentially just it's just like a um a suburb that's just conveniently located next to a highway which is why businesses are there but you really have no reason to go there other than that. So but that's but that's good. It's good to see somebody has a job and I guess they're actually going to the office. That's good, right? I don't I don't know. Maybe I think the, the governor's about to shut our state down because the the case positivity rate is fifteen percent. But other than that, I guess that's great. <laughs> oh. Okay, so uh, yes, by that's all good. means, Jorge, we will be in touch. Yeah, I was going to say, if only you could have read, we could have read this email out earlier. You may, you may have been able to have influenced the move, but there you go. I was going to say, you, I really wish you had consulted before actually making i hope they are paying you a shit ton of money to have moved from san diego i i mean i can't stress this enough i would i would leave here i would leave chicago so quickly for san diego if that was an option and never look back i wouldn't even come back to visit and i wouldn't even feel bad about it i would just be gone like rapidly so i i don't know man you got you got my sympathies i hope you have a good time i hope you've um i hope you're going to uh, uh, to the Wiener Circle since you're right there in the neighborhood and they they're doing takeout, so you could be going to the Wiener Circle like pretty much every day if you wanted to on foot from Lincoln Park because it's in Lincoln Park. Um, so I mean, I you know for the food wise and living wise that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, cool. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, 
Uh, French name. Anybody? Can anybody do French names? I know you can't, Simon. But Perry, can you do Perry? You can do French names. Yeah, yeah. This is our this is our good friend Pierre Alex Favier. Thank you. That was perfect. Uh, <laughs> what Perry said. He's that's who wrote us on September thirtieth. Also, and this is subject trip back into history. Uh, so Pierre is writing us and says. Um, dear the good, the bad, and the ugly, please assign as appropriate. I inherited my passion for photography. My grandfather who used to be a photographer in a small town an hour northeast of Paris before World War II. When the war started, he was arrested for supporting General de Gaulle, who had fled to London by distributing pictures of him in the local area. He was sent to a work camp where I believe he was well-treated and was tasked with building Stuka dive bomber planes uh, in an aircraft factory within Germany. Luckily for him, he managed to be discharged from the camp by pretending to have a mental illness issues with the help of a sympathizing German doctor and returned to Paris. That was a really good tactic. I mean, it seems pretty simple. I mean, I didn't know the Germans gave people a... Oh, you're mentally health. You have mental health issues. Oh, just go on back to Paris. No, it, it, that that definitely happened. That's that, and, that's amazing. Yeah, there was. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know whether whether this was based on fact or uh, it was fiction, but I mean, certainly back in the seventies in the UK, there was a program called uh, about. I don't know if it was called Escape from Colditz or something on those lines. Anyway, and I remember one there was one episode where somebody decides to fake, uh, do exactly that, and fake a breakdown. And um, and be, and become mentally ill and play the part of being mentally ill, um, and uh, I, and he ultimately I, got out. Uh, I would just think the Germans would be like, "Oh, oh, you're mentally ill. Yeah, we like to kill people like you. Yeah. Here's a here's a here's a train ride to a death camp. I mean, that would have been my <laughs> yeah. You would, yeah, I think they were. <laughs> but maybe it was more. Maybe it was more like Mash. Maybe they had you know. Maybe he wore a dress and pearls and he had. Um, a psychiatrist and they clinger, yeah. Yes. He was doing the clinger thing, yeah. and he he made jokes about uh, about being from Ohio and stuff. You know, <laughs> maybe so. But just just to finish that uh, the the Colditz story one though, the um, the 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 officer that was uh, trying to be play the act of being mentally ill, um, he had to do it for so long, and by the time he actually was released, he really was mentally ill. He didn't recover from. Wow. It. Yeah. Wow, that's that's not so. Yeah. All right, well, it works. So that's awesome. Good. That's a, that's an amazing story. Anyway, all right. Continuing on, in the summer of 1944, when the city was liberated, my grandfather went to offer his photography skills to the French army, who promptly declined his offer. No, no, the French, really, disgruntled. <laughs> he did the same with the U.S. Army, who gladly accepted his services, of course, for free, right? And promptly joined the U.S. Corps of War Photographers, despite the fact that he never spoke a word of English. Fast forward 70 years, he passed away in 2013 after a long and rewarding life. Whilst helping uh, go through his belongings, whilst I found a couple of negatives from his war photography days in a shoebox at the bottom of the cupboard, which I still have today and are attached to this email, along with a portrait of him. Uh, and another one from him within a group of photographers for the army. His name was Gabriel Cochise. 
<laughs> I, I think that's I think that's Cochois. Or Cochois. Cochise was it, you know, Cochise is a famous Native American chief in Chicago. And also Cochise, I think wasn't he a character in in um uh, one of those apocalyptic movies set in the 1970s in New York City. I think it was the Warriors, Cochise, right? Okay, anyway. Now, different Cochise. Um, uh, I was wondering if I could appeal to your vast knowledge of classic photography, gear, and history in order to figure out which camera lens film stock you would have used or likely have used. Hopefully, I might be able to find at least one of them on eBay. For examining the negatives, I believe they are the same emulsion, but obviously in different formats. I, uh, I'm not a member of the Facebook group, but d- do not hesitate to sh- share the photographs as you see fit. Keep up the good work and be like Carl, Pierre. Um, so I don't have the photo attachments, but... Uh, They're great, by the if way. The fi- yeah, are they? Great. Okay. Yeah, and uh, there's there's the the the, the portrait shot um, is there with his um, army uh, Barry, say the you know, official war photographer, which is you know on on, oh, cool. on the on the hat, which is absolutely fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a tip off would be if the film. Well, okay, the first thing would be what format is the film? So there are some you, negatives in the picture. Yeah. Um, and I think what's telling is they are clearly medium format um and it looks like there's one six by nine negative and one six four five negative mm. but the, but the six four five negative is vertical which of course you can rotate a camera but it suggests to me that it might be a full yeah you can use the math yeah, a dual format yeah, that's a, that's a good thought is there any edge markings on the film because that i mean that would be the no that would be okay. really easy to track it down based on that I can't see any edge markings on the film. Okay. Now, if what I would say is if the film, does it look like the film is all the way to the edges or were they cropped to the image? Can you tell? Uh, no, no, it looks pretty normal. It's not all the way to the edge. Okay. So, so the, I would say the thing to do would be to inspect the film because there will almost certainly be edge markings on the film. So you check in the rebate area outside the image area, there should be markings on the film. And based on those markings, you should be able to track down the film for sure, and it may actually say on the film there somewhere. I don't. I don't think he's got that. I think the, the literally the negatives are cut. Uh, oh, yeah. I see. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, I see. So, I mean, my guess is it's it's something like a. I mean, Simon, the, that looks like six by nine to you, right? The big one. Yeah. Yeah, the little one's definitely six four five. My guess would be something like one of those six by nine icontas, or something of that ilk. Yeah. With the six four five folding mask inside, or just any six six by nine folder of it that year. It, it could be a medalist. I mean, he's doing this for the uh, American Army, so uh, yeah, not American Army, right? I yeah. Was, yeah, 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 American Army. Okay, it's, po- it's possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there a six four five mask for the medalist? No. Okay, yeah, it's just it's that that vertical six four five frame. Um, next to the the six by nine to screams folder, but yeah, it could be a medalist. Well, if he has the negatives, I would say inspect the negatives. You know what I mean? If they've been cropped to the image, but you actually have the full negative, because it would be a little odd if they trimmed the actual negative to the image area. No, but he he's got he sent pictures of the negative in the email. Oh, but he, they, oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, but there's no there's no marking or anything on the rebate. 
Okay. Well, just keep, I mean, if you have other, if there's any other negs, just look at them and see if you can find any numbers even or anything. Because even from the numbers, you might be able to tell what film stock it was. But mm. anyway, good story. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Very good story. I look forward to seeing those photos too. Okay. Moving forward to our, our buddy, J.D. Wagner. Um, official rod maker of the classic lenses podcast uh or should we call him rod man official rod man of the classic lenses podcast he's our rod man um he says hey guys just listen to the new episode great as usual near the end you asked folks for pics of american lenses on insta i don't have an account with them but thought you especially simon with his sony might dig a couple of kicks from a woolen sack with some interest uh, interesting oofta best jd wagner well they've uh, so were there they're two we've got we've got two classic uh boker shots um as in uh, or oofta shots um featuring uh, flowers uh, which are always always the best photographs for uh for, for this this kind of thing, excellent. And um, I know what those flowers are as well, and I can't remember what the life what they called. Oh, oh, it's gone from me. Never mind. Um, not that anybody really cares, but uh, um, but yeah, a couple of one one shot in particular I, I really like, and uh, because it's a it's a it's a classic Ufta shot where it's uh, um, one of the, one flower is is the star, and there's a lovely painterly, almost wet on wet bokeh. Um, uh, finish to the to the to the rest of the shots. That's 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 really really nice. Um, where there's a the shot that's taken further back. Um, again, there's a, a a single. Well, it's the same flower actually. It's in focus, but it's it's taken further back. Um, what what's interesting here is what's going on in the, in the background because there's some swirl uh, that's going mm-hmm. on there, which is um, which is attractive. Although I'm, I can't say I'm a fan of the actual shot, but you can see if there was a a person in the middle of that photograph you could just see how that could really work really well so uh yeah cool very good nice all right um next up we have carl helen helen carl helen carl van helen same spelling right mm-hmm. oh, uh, okay. extra l extra l oh yeah there's an extra l <clears throat> all right um carl double l helen and uh, I was going to say be, be, before you go further on this, this was this was sent uh, just a bit of background. This was sent to me directly uh, through my, my my website rather than coming directly to the uh, uh, to the podcast as such. But um, um, yeah, so there you go. Just thought just okay. a little bit at the start. So he wrote us on October the eighth, um, and he says, "Dear Mister Forster," ooh, that's very official sounding. I am writing to you regarding the latest. This this is already sounding like he's getting off to a uh, a very formal start. This is, this should be interesting, dear Mister Forster. I am writing to you regarding the latest Classic Lizards podcast, but really about the development of the podcast over the last few months. I first came across your podcasts last year whilst being on a long road trip across Europe. The first episode I listened to was the episode from Isabella Curtis. Uh, it was interesting. Witty show really made me curious about your podcasts, enthused me to listen to previous episodes, and also prompted me to start to follow your show. 
I listen to the majority of the shows in your back catalog and have diligently been following each new episode ever since. I've enjoyed a large portion of your shows and I've really enjoyed going back to listen to some of the best episodes in the back catalog. Lately, however, I think your show has deteriorated and I am really discouraged by some of your latest shows. In particular, <laughs> the latest show is... Was this actually written by... Uh, is this a pseudonym, Carl Helen? Do we actually know you by another name? Maybe something of the directional variety. No, I don't <laughs> know. No, this is this is this is not by Jeremy North. <laughs> okay, all right. I just wanted yeah. to make. I just wanted Gen to make sure. Yeah, Gen 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 Jeremy wouldn't wouldn't wait for an email. Uh, it just it just <laughs> it just straight into Facebook and gave, given us with uh, with both feet. Uh, okay. okay, so to return to deterioration. Um, uh, in particular, the latest show and the language therein, I find crude, misogynistic, and inappropriate let's, let's, for being let's, on your show. Let's just have a, 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 a short pause there. That's the episode yes. with Mike Gutterman, uh, just, just so yeah. everyone can... Uh, oh, be, so we can blame it on Mike Gutterman. He's okay. yeah, it's, Gutterman. It's, it's all Mike's fault. I mean, oh, yeah, perfect. He's, he said some bad things... You know, no, no, he said some things that uh, regarding the uh, the previous shows, uh, but really, this is this is all Mike's but fault. He says he's, what he's it. complaining about is sex in a Fierro. Uh, and yes. I, I assume so, yeah. Okay, great. Good context. Okay, so I, I'll continue and then I'll, I'll make... A, I'll, I'll ask you guys, oh, he must have been listening to the Gutterman show. And we can blame it all on Mike Gutterman. Okay, perfect. Okay, um, uh, so let me, I'll just, I'll just pick up again. In particular, the latest show and the language therein, I find crude, misogynistic, and inappropriate for being on your show. Unfortunately, this does not seem to be an isolated incident, but rather a development where the show has become more crude and accepting of language and tone that is not particularly nice. Do you think you, this must've been the Gutterman episode maybe? I, th I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Was the Gutterman show? Yeah. The sex in a Fierro show. That's the one. Okay. Okay. I stopped listening to the show about two thirds in. I wish I had stopped earlier. In fact, I wish I had never listened to that particular episode at all, but I did not know what to expect and cannot have it undone. Nope, you can't undo it. It's in your ears. Um, I vow, vow, vow? I think he means vow. I vow to never listen to your show again, nor will I ever go back to listen to old episodes as entertaining as they may have been at the time. This current approach says enough to me about your views of your listeners, why I feel more comfortable avoiding your show. So we're reading this, but he's never going to hear it. Or do you think he's waiting to hear it? Anyway, uh, for quite some time, I was intending to write to you about my photography cameras and lenses, but unfortunately, I eventually thought that was more that this was more important. I'm writing to you using your Simon Forster photographic email, since I do not know whether you would have considered reading this email on the show had I written directly to the podcast address. Uh, if you still elect to do so, I have, of course, no issue with that in particular, uh, since I will not listen to any future episodes. I do not particularly expect any response to this email. Uh, on the other hand, with your role as one of the original organizers of the podcast uh, and your reputation for being a very considerate person, I thought that maybe you would rather hear this than not. Yours very truly, Johan Halen 
from Bruxelles. I think that would be Brussels. Yeah, I know that's Brussels. Yeah. But I mean, since since he's not going to listen to the show, we can call him Johan van Halen from Bruxelles. Um, and, and we can say, you know, thanks for your email. Oh, and uh, thank you, Gutterman. Yeah, thank you, Mike Gutterman, for permanently destroying but, the reputation of our show, which was obviously not us. We didn't do it. I think, it, but I mean, we we may well have been building up to Mike, so that that could that could possibly explain uh, the the uh, we we knew it was we had the, we had trailered that he was going to be coming onto the show. So. We knew for weeks he was going yeah. to be coming on the show. So, that, and, so we may yeah. have actually just like built ourselves up for it so that by the time we got to Mike, it wouldn't be a shocking to us at least anyway. Right. And, and quite obviously his influence since being on the show has infected the classic lenses podcast with, uh, what, what were the words? Inappropriate, vile, misogynistic crudity. <laughs> so, so on the one hand, I think it's kind of funny that this idea that, um, what does he say? Listening to him, listening to Gutterman, he wish he never listened to it at all and can never <laughs> cannot have it undone. Like, that, that was like Simon's reaction to Goatsy, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah, see it. nothing's changed on that. So Mike Gutterman is the Goatsy of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> and can, Mike Gutterman cannot be undone. There's no unmaking the ring. <laughs> exactly, and and. Um, I, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of fitting that he's writing this from Brussels and sending it so formally to Simon because if you if you kind of replace everything in this email, yeah, everything classic podcast, classic lenses podcast, with, and just replace it with Brexit. Yeah, exactly. Like, bang on so, the same tone as well. <laughs> it's like a plate. It's like a plate email from the EU telling the Brits, "No, you're you're still f-ed, you guys. This doesn't work. We, we're not listening to this. We're just not having it." <laughs> well, just, I feel I need to say a few things now. In the in in, the, in terms Wait, of balance, can, can, can just yeah. can I sorry one thing? He his English is very good, which is why I'm still not convinced this isn't Jeremy North, um, because it sounds it, his name sounds I guess Belgique or whatever, right? But. This is written in very formal, proper English English. So I, he, I don't know. It's just the whole thing is a little bit suspicious to me. No, I, th- I, th- I think he's, he's clearly an educated man. It's, 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 a, okay. it's as simple as that. Um, okay. Okay. So um, my thoughts. Um, the first thing is um, I, I was going to write back, um, and then I realised it was going to be an essay. And, and, you know, we're all busy people. I'm certainly busy at the moment and we've uh, been struggling even to get to uh, get to make the show at times. Um, so I thought, OK, well, he's, he's given permission to talk about this on the podcast. And uh, and the the other part to this is really uh, we are, you know, Perry, Johnny and I are like the Borg. Uh, we are we are <laughs> one. Um, there are there are different parts of us um different we're a a tri-split personality um and we we say some things that sometimes outrages outrage each other um but ultimately uh, we're we're friends and we accept each other for uh, for what we are and what we say 
and if we don't like something about what we say, we we we, we say it. We usually say it on air as well. Yeah. Um, so so that 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 that's 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 one thing. Um, so um, we we cannot be divided. Um, I guess is what I'm, what I'm saying there. Um, the other Unlike thing is. Sorry, unlike, unlike the UK, yeah, which seems to get more sorry. divided by the minute. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So, uh, other other things. Um, you know, I've, I've, I want to thank you if well, if you, if you have got this far and listened, uh, I do want to thank you for for writing that in. Because I think it's always good um, to to reflect on the views of of our listeners. Um, we don't always agree with the views of our listeners, but I think we should always respect. Uh, the views of, of 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 our listeners and i and i completely understand uh, where the gentleman's coming from here um, yes and uh, and i think yeah i think is is also correct i think there has been um a move in a certain direction since and it, then this is actually it's not actually mike goodman's fault it's all perry's fault um, <laughs> and, um, and uh and i think again we can we can all agree on that and actually i think last week we weren't too bad <laughs> Um, so, uh, so whether or not this is a, a, a direction of travel, certainly there has been a little bit more of that kind of stuff in in recent shows. Um, I this is this is all part of the ebb and flow of a, of, a, of a podcast, and we've done this is the hundred thirty fifth episode, um, and it's quite different from where we started. Some people I know would think or wish they wish they made podcasts like we used to make podcasts and talk about a single subject and deep dives and things like that and uh and it's a case of you know we, we haven't walked away from deep dives it's a case of we 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 actually don't have a great deal of time to actually plan these podcasts um we we usually turn up and we talk and uh, and 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 that's just how these things are at the moment because you know we've we've all got busy lives um the other the other side of it is a case of you know, I'm, I'm sorry if we have upset you and, and, and we're sorry if we have upset um, some of our listeners that are li listening at the moment. But it's a case of ultimately we, we do this show uh, because we enjoy talking to each other. And we know that some people like to hear some of the things that we say. And sometimes we actually come out with some things that are actually useful to people. Um, but ultimately, we, ju we just do this for ourselves. We don't do it for money. We don't do it for fame. You know, it's a case of we, we just enjoy doing it. Um, and we know that we're going to lose people and we know we're going to gain people. I mean, there's been a, a quite considerable shift towards film. Um, we don't still don't call ourselves a film podcast, but sometimes you could probably hardly tell that we're not a film podcast. Um, and we know that we've lost people as a result of that. In the same way, we know we've gained uh, listeners um, for for talking more about film. Um, and I also had a bit of feedback uh, from a, from somebody contacting me privately um, regarding Johnny's outburst. Um, of basically having to go at half of America, certainly the uh, the more rural, the, the dumb half of America, yeah, the, the, that that part of America, um, <laughs> suggesting that you know we 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 run a risk of alienating um, a, a huge number of people. Oh um, God, I hope so. Yeah. I really, really hope so. And but it's a case of again. Yeah, you know, we don't. Well, I don't particularly. I don't want to. Well, I know Johnny is quite happy to go out of his way to alienate and upset people. Um, I, yeah. I don't, and I don't think Perry does either. Um, but I understand why Johnny says the things that he does. That he says, and um, I'm, I'm largely in agreement or nodding my head or thinking, well, that's a little bit too far. But I get the sentiment. Um, so, so yeah. So that's that. That's us. Um, take us or leave it. Really. I'm just, you know, what I'm I'm looking at right now is the, um, 
Have you guys ever seen this diagram of the id, ego, super ego iceberg? No. It's a, a psychology thing. So, so basically the human personality, according to Freud, right, is the, the id, the ego, and the super ego. Um, and so like each, each part of, of that plays a role in who we are. So the id is like the instinctual, the ego is, you know, reality, and the super ego is morality. And um, each of our icebergs has a different uh, tip up out of the water. And the, the, the id is supposed to be way down at the bottom. And it never, it doesn't really come out because, you, you know, you think before you do those sort of things. And that's, that's, mine is upside down. So my iceberg is completely upside down. And I just operate from the instinct part and kind of don't care about the rest. And that's why, you know... I have so much trouble in life, but that's my problem. That's just the way I am. So, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. What are you going to do? So we're each a different iceberg. It's the three icebergs yeah. or the, the, or it's the three monkeys. No. <laughs> Perry, any, any, any thoughts? Uh, I, that, that's a shockingly fitting analogy. Although clearly <laughs> I think you're the superego then. <laughs> Oh, Simon is definitely the superego. Although yeah. I don't know, no, yeah, definitely the superego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Superego, ideals and morals, striving for perfection, <laughs> incorporated from <laughs> from parents, becoming a person's conscience, operating mostly at pre-conscious level, pre-conscious level. Ego, executing, uh, mediating, executive mediating between id impulses and superego inhibitions. Testing reality, rational, operates mainly at conscious level, but also at pre-conscious level. I don't know. Simon could be both of those. Yeah, he, he could be. I don't know. It sounded more like Perry that just to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would, I would agree that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Perry's on the right track. Oh, here I'll, ju- I'm going to drop them in the chat so you guys know what. Well, Perry's, Perry's found it already, but I, I like this one. Um, because didn't someone address it to the good, the bad, and the ugly? It's the same. It's the same thing. Mm. I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly is exactly that. It is three characters. It is the the morality, reality, and instinct. It, it, that is exactly what that movie is, right? So it's it kind of makes perfect sense. Which so is- I guess in that case, if this was if if we were the good, the bad, and the ugly. Simon would be Clint Eastwood, right? I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, Simon would <laughs> Simon would be Clint Eastwood, and Perry. I think Perry, you would be Tuco, because because clearly I would be I would be Angel Eyes. I would be the, I would be the I would be the killer, right? And Perry would be the good killer. <laughs> 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 Brandy, which is uh, which is the part that wants to bone his mom, though? Uh, I don't think anybody bones their. Well, that would be Tuco. No, that would be Tuco. Sorry, Simon. No, that would uh. that, that would definitely be Tuco for sure, a hundred percent. Because remember, there's the scene where they're gonna hang him, and he's like he's like leering at young women in the crowd that are there to watch him be hanged. <laughs> 
That I just want to say, Simon. That that sigh was was. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I thought we were raising it to a higher level, and uh, I, guess, I guess we weren't. Johan, um, point point taken. Uh, no argument whatsoever with that. I have no argument whatsoever with what he wrote. I I don't know why he would think we wouldn't read that. But no, I didn't even mean to call you a bad name about the about the email. I was just being funny. Um, I, I don't have any problem with anything he wrote there. Actually, no. Sounds about right. I mean. So, you know, the takeaway is it's all Mike Gutterman's fault. Exactly. I think that's yeah. something we, again, uh, we can Borg-like agree on that. Glad we clear that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, nominative determinism with that guy. <laughs> Where his name, Gutterman, describes. Gutterman, yeah. What comes out of man. Yeah. Definitely. Man of the gutter. Well, you could say it that way. Yoda would say it that way. Man of the gutter you are. Well, I, I think we've got time for one more right. email, which means that we haven't got to the end of our emails, um, which is slightly predictable. Um, so let's let's do one more, and then we'll start to wrap things up, eh? Yeah, okay. So do we want to then read a praiseful one in uh, <laughs> by contrast, or <laughs> do we, we want to read the next, the next one on the list, which is all about lenses to talk yeah. about? It's up to you. Take the choice. I think we might save the one for the lenses because then we would actually talk about something substantial and useful. Okay. Why don't we do want to do that? Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll go to, uh, we've got a Baz's email. So uh, Baz F writes us about uh, October 9th subject, Carl's photography and Boca theory. Dear Johnny Perry and Simon, thank you. Thank for all you do great podcasts. I guess Baz is misinformed. Yeah. Or, or he just hasn't got to the Mike Gutterman episode yet. Or he's, or he's not actually Jeremy North in disguise. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm not the first to think of this, but I was wondering if there's any uh, appetite to make a book of Carl's photography. Any proceeds could go to the Down Syndrome Foundation, sorry, Down Syndrome Association of Central Florida, uh, or another worthy cause. Uh, it could be part a tribute to Carl's photography, but also a nod to his cataloging of different lenses. Obviously, his family would uh, have to be on board, and perhaps they would want to make it, but I'm sure there are qualified people on Facebook group who could make a nice book if given access to the photos. I'd be glad to help or try to get this started, but I definitely have no particular expertise with photo book design. Just a thought. Uh, no need to mention this on the podcast if it's not appropriate or there are other obstacles, concerns, etc. cetera. Uh, you all know this situation better than me. Uh, so this may be wacky, but on another note, it seems clear. Uh, it seems clear different people from different backgrounds, kinds of bokeh or none at all. Uh, s- smooth, swirling, busy, harsh, wet on wet, and then all the bokeh ball shapes, round, soap bubble, Cat eyes, geometric worms, no worms, etc. I wonder if this preference is at all correlated with the eye prescription of the viewer. For instance, do heavily nearsighted people prefer one kind of bokeh? Maybe it's not correlated at all, but I'm nearsighted, and when I'm not wearing contacts or glasses, the world is smooth bokeh, and I tend uh, I tend to like that in lenses. I wonder if people with perfect vision 
do not have that influence or maybe like different bokeh? Do far-sighted people go, uh, go another way? Uh, or is there a correlation with glasses wearers because peripheral vision always has some out-of-focus area? Any thoughts? Is this stupid? My other hypothesis is that bokeh preference is correlated to pizza preference, but that's more speculative. Thanks, regards, Baz. That is really interesting. I was thinking this is BS at first, but then as he explained more, I'm like, maybe there's something to that. I mean, I'm thinking like the Claude Monet thing where he, you know, was painting everything a certain way because his eyes were all messed up at the end of his life. I don't know. Well, the, 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 the Monet story was, I'm not sure if it was Monet or, Man, or Manet, uh, but he, one, one of those two, I think it was Monet, um, had cataracts. Yeah, and, it was. Uh, the, the, yeah, and then he they, they were removed, and he didn't like. Well, the story I heard that he didn't actually like what he had been painting um, when yeah. he could actually see properly. Uh, yeah, I think that's the same. Same the Monet mm-hmm. versus Manet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that I mean, famously his his. Uh, the, well, I mean, I'm just talking from uh, having gone through art history class and all the endlessly, endlessly boring goddamn Monet exhibits at the Art Institute of Chicago because that's all they ever want to show because they have this unbelievable collection of Monets that were bought really cheap in whatever year so they feel obligated to show them whenever they need to raise some money for the museum. Um, but anyway, I'm thinking of the notes in the uh, for the different paintings that he did um, at his I guess his, what is his retirement home or his place that he lived where that was one of the notes is that the, the look of the paintings was influenced by his poor eyesight. So it does not seem so far fetched to me that there could be a, I mean, I'm farsighted and I definitely prefer depth of field versus Boca because when I don't have my reading glasses on, I can't see anything and I'm just angry. (laughs) So, so I'm angry at I'm in the same way bokeh shots make me angry. So could be. I don't know. I don't know, man. This sounds like a very spurious correlation to me. <laughs> but I mean, that said, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that he describes the world as smooth bokeh when he's not wearing his glasses. Because I'm, I'm nearsighted too, although I've got astigmatism as well. And my eye bokeh is atrocious. It, it's like point light sources look like... Um, it's hard to describe, but it, they're just like scattered everywhere. It's it's really it's really it's really terrible. Bokeh. Yeah, if I if I had a lens like my eye bokeh without reading glasses on, I would I would definitely throw that lens out. I would. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know. It's interesting. Maybe, but although okay, my eyesight has deteriorated rapidly since I hit you know forty nine and a half. So I can't see anything close up anymore. So maybe before my eyesight changed, I would have liked maybe. So in other words, if I had been born nearsighted and it didn't make me angry, maybe I would like bokeh like that. I don't know. It's an interesting question. It doesn't make sense that there would be a correlation there. Because with a painter, you can get why, you know, Monet or or. When you say Manny, I just think Sadio Manny. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so <laughs> not a painter. Um, when it, it, it makes sense with a painter because you know they are 
visualizing or seeing things and then transferring it on the paper uh, or, or canvas or whatever. But photography is like reverse painting, right? You're not putting stuff onto a canvas. You're taking what's out there and then and and shooting it. So it mm, it sounds very very spurious to me. I know that in terms of my own bokeh taste, they evolved based on like what I think is cool at the time. Um, so you know, back when all these fancy modern lenses started coming out with like perfectly smooth bokeh, um, you get this. You know, if you go on DP Review, for example, they in their minds there's like this objective platonic form of perfect bokeh right which is just like perfectly smooth no hard edges round all the way through which as time has gone on i have found increasingly boring and i'm sure pretty much all of our listeners find increase incredibly boring because it looks like some iphone filter right that just blurs everything out evenly so i i don't i don't know if you can draw a correlation between things like that people's tastes vary depending on lots of different stuff right you might be influenced by your friends or or people who you follow or look up to you may um be a cinematographer and be looking after looking for certain vibes and then the lenses you like uh give you those kinds of vibes as well i i think i think this particular correlation is one that I mean, it would be interesting to pursue with a study, I suppose, but I have my skeptic hat on. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And I, I don't have an opinion on that at all, uh, other than the uh, <laughs> potential there could be something to be said about the pizza preference. Um, but the, yeah. going, I was going, going to the, the top of the email uh, about uh, producing... Uh, a book with Carl's photography. That's that's uh, it has that has absolutely has uh, gone through our minds. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, before Carl had died, um, we were talking about producing some kind of zine or photo book uh, mm. based based upon um, uh, guests' work and uh, people that we uh, we 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 talk to and admire and so on um which obviously never never came to fruition um and that thought pretty much ended uh, for me at that at that point um and for, for me anyway I, I was thinking well I, I don't actually want to do that without Carl now um, right and yeah. uh, and nothing's really changed on that I'm not entirely sure if that's uh, how, how healthy that is but that's just that's just where I am uh, with, with, with that um I think there's certainly something to be said about um the, the suggestion there but it's yeah. uh, it's somebody's got to really want to do that and for me that would just be a really difficult thing to do um, so, uh yeah yeah yeah. Right. yeah i share your yeah i share your feeling i think it would, it would be to me it would be too difficult to personally to do that i don't know um and i it's think a, it's a sorry go on. no i was just gonna say it's a great idea though yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lovely sentiment, right? But there's the double toss-up between the the emotional sort of punch to the gut yeah, uh, taking us on something like that would be. But then from a more objective point of view, there's also the, um, the kind of artistic strangeness about curating someone else's work. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, like, it, like it doing a Vivian Meyer on someone, it's, it's, it's a little... I'm a little uncomfortable with that. Yeah, the idea without like their full involvement and consent as well. Okay, so uh, so yeah, um, good idea, and I think we've uh, explained our, our our feelings on that one. Um, okay, so I think 
with well it's extremely late it's half past one now i think in the, in hong kong um so i think we need to start to wind things down a little bit um and the first thing i want to do and i cannot remember did i say thank you to our, to the people who donated to us last time perry can did i do that because we had a hard stop last time we did so that, that makes sense because there's a lot of, there's quite a lot of names on here so i'm going to go back in time um a fair way and hopefully i've gone i'm going to go back far enough and i'm going to go to uh, start off with hong lee um on the 12th of october um and uh, and it's to the to the pontiac fiero of podcasts um, <laughs> um thank, thank you so uh, hong clearly enjoyed uh by mike goodman so you uh, there you go um then uh robert danny uh enjoys some coffees gents uh, those pizza choices would would deserve malort not coffee um then uh nick marshall mike epstein and brian carr uh donated to us and then we got uh mike rose uh, says thank you simon for for si- thank you simon for all that you and the others share so uh, thank thank you, Mike and uh, Nigel Cliff on the thirty first of October says despite despite the cost of therapy due to you having an extended break, I'm still going to be generous and uh, and so- Surrey is the Indiana of England. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that, but uh, they, they, every, they, every country's got their own Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Um, Surrey, yeah, that's very that leaf, leafy Surrey. Um, mm, I'm struggling Essex, with that one. No, Essex is more like the New Jersey of of England. Uh, well, soon I live here. I'm I'm not going to diss any of the counties. Um, why? Because they're going to come and get you? Or ex- what? Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm, they I'm, won't even be armed. I mean, maybe with pitchforks. Armed? That's that, that's like down like the southwest or Norfolk. Um, if you're armed. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, let's quick, quickly. What about, uh, what about Hull? Hull, or all, all as it's uh, as it's all. all you know, you know. I, a number of years ago, I was in I was in England for the FA Cup final between uh, Hull and Arsenal, mm-hmm. um, and I was seated at Wembley in, in in like an Arsenal area, and right above us, in on the stand directly above us, were were the Hull fans, and I think you know. <laughs> I, I, I've never feared for my life the way that I did <laughs> having a bunch of Hull City fans above us in the terraces because y- you know in Lord of the Rings those scenes when like the orcs attack yeah. <laughs> that's what the Hull City fans were like so you know apologies to any listeners from Hull I'm sure there's some lovely people from from Hull um, but, but let's just say like y'all did not leave a good impression that day yeah. Uh, I, I, at all, I I, I, must, I must add that um, uh, Arsenal fans have a similar uh, point of view as Stoke City supporters. Um, but possibly- that's not the supporters. It's just because the, the team is has just a history of running roughshod over them because they're weak. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but the, the, this is the fans. You know? <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very true. Um, okay, let's uh, move on. And the last two were Lawrence Dunn and Brian Walworth. So thank, thank you all uh, very, very much. Um, should we do some shout-outs? Uh, Perry, have you got any shout-outs? Uh, I do not have any shout-outs, although I do want to mention, because um, you mentioned Robert Danny there in our list of uh, donors. And a number of weeks ago, I mentioned how I 
bumped into him and uh, his wife and kid um, while my girlfriend and I were out shooting. Uh, this was a while ago. It turns out that I actually did photograph them, uh, and they are in they are my subject in a street <laughs> photograph, but which is hilarious. But the the picture is also super blurry uh, because I remember thinking, mm, not a great subject. But I must have accidentally pressed the shutter as I was lowering. <laughs> Uh, so quick, just a quick shout out to Robert Danny over there. Okay, yeah, uh, per- Perry, yeah, not Perry, uh, Johnny. Have you got any shout outs or anything you want to mention? Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, the Gemosaurus for uh, sending sending me uh, funny things during the past week, <laughs> which were appreciated. It's been a very trying week in America, so. Thank you, Mr. Gemosaurus. Did did Gem? I, I've been chatting with Gem too. Um, did he tell you about his Leica R eight uh, cast? I don't think he did. Yeah, so he has severe gas for a Leica R eight, and and he's been oh wow lusting over them to me for the last couple of weeks or so, and I I've I've just tried not to you know laugh directly in his face. But I, just, I don't you know I don't think anybody trusts me anymore to share their gas with me for some reason. Because Robbie won't Robbie won't share gas with me anymore. I don't I don't think anybody I don't know why I'm not judging. I don't care. I mean I'm like the least judgy person about the, what people want to use. They use whatever well, you, use whatever you want. It's well you, you, you use the lens that Robbie is lusting over right now, right? You would totally judge him for it. What do you think? Yeah. I don't think so. I'll tell you after the show. And you, you okay. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that. People are saying, no, we want to know what the lens is. All right. it, it is it is the MS Optics 24mm F2. What's wrong with and that? Then, okay. No, I, I, I thought you would diss it. No. It's 24 millimeters. Come on. That's awesome. F2 pancake lens cap lens. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yes. I'd be on with that. Be- it's is it cheap? How much do they want for it? Twelve hundred bucks ish. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, I'd rather buy twelve hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin right now than any any lens on the planet. <laughs> and and, and a, a like a was it R eight? Uh, that's what that's what Jem wants. Yeah, yeah, and he wants to put the pancake lens on it. No, 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 no. The, the MS Optics is what Robbie wants. Oh, right. okay, okay. That makes a bit more sense. I think it sounds like a fantastic lens, but not for that money. I'd say buy an R8 for any price if you want an R8. And get in the Gutterman Club. Yeah. I mean, you say that, right? But for the price, it's a 24mm F2. And it's it's very unique character, and it's a it's like it's like lens cap sized. I, there's nothing like that. Yeah. An M mount, yeah. an M mount. You know yeah. that's not that's not insane. No, for what it is. I I, I I made a I I I paid ninety eight cents for a Vivitar ultra wide and slim that does twenty four millimeters and probably has more character than that thing. But not f two. Yeah. yeah, but who cares about f two? It's a wide angle lens. Mm, I don't know, man. Fast wide angle lenses are are they're. Yeah. they're yeah. Uh, yeah, they are. No, no, I totally agree. At that price, no way. Uh, my only, my only sidestep on that is the price. But then again, if somebody wants to spend the twelve hundred on that, then by by all means, you know. 
I mean, the thing is, though, I mean, it's like any any low volume lens is expensive to make. It's as simple as that. That's just that's just how these things are. So if you want something that uh, is is that does these things, but there's, there's no mainstream alternative to that, is there? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that, but it's, that, it's that is the price. That is the value. It's as simple as that. If that's what you want. That's what you got to pay. Right. Yeah, I guess at least it's like NS Optics, and it's not like some Chinese company selling it. Exactly. For, yeah. Exactly. yeah, it's not like the, the the weird lens light lab eight element. Right, it's actually like legitly made by a you know a craftsman, basically. Which yeah, you know, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm, I'm down and with at that, that I mean, speed and the focal length. If you're if you're getting that fast, you're in like Sumicron and Sumilux territory. There's there's nothing else yeah. on that mount, and so. You know, compared to what else is on the market, it's it's it's. I think it's totally. I wouldn't buy it, but no, I, think it's I wouldn't. Totally I, I wouldn't either. But I understand. I would understand wanting to get it for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I've I've got one uh, shout out that I can remember at least anyway, and that's to Daniel Cook, who got in touch with me uh, a month ago now, actually. Uh, a month and a day ago, um, and uh, that name might be familiar. Uh, to people was we've mentioned him before uh, because he's the chap behind a website uh, called usedlens.co.uk which probably probably people have uh, thought oh that's a good good idea and then forgotten about well it's worth reminding people about it and it's a, a site that uh, okay it's, it's not particularly good for if you're in america but uh, if you're in europe Actually, no, we will do America as well, I think, actually. Um, so, but it's a co.uk, so that's usedlens.co.uk, and you can use it. It's a search engine. It's like a meta search engine for lenses, and it's not only has it got, like, eBay on there, but it's also got uh, dealers. Um, if he's able to get access to uh, what dealers have got on their websites, then there's a good chance it's actually on there as well. Uh, but he's, he's updated uh, the site a little bit uh, because um, we did actually suggest it and he's taken this on board um, that he's it's because eBay is <clears throat> eBay is on there and it's quite dominant on there uh, but you can fill you can filter eBay out if you wanted to but what he's done now is he's given the ability for people to actually search specific European eBay sites uh, rather than just uh, co.uk um, so that can be quite handy because sometimes there, there are things that are not visible in one country uh, that's available and sometimes they can actually they won't mind actually shipping uh, abroad so um, from from their country so that could be a a a, a useful um what well, is a useful um, source so uh, that's uh, daniel cook there with uselens.co.uk um okay i think we're done are we done oh yeah no. <laughs> except i want to say i've now found the page for the ms optics aphoria 24 millimeter f2m mount yes is that the lens in question which comes in black yellow or silver and it has <clears throat> a Voigtlander style focusing tab on it, so I am now 100 percent on board with that lens. It's so sweet. It's like, yeah. it's so small, right? It's, yeah. it's really interesting. I'm 100 yeah. percent on board with that lens now. If, if, if it was not my money, and I think uh, if Robbie's going to buy it, he should also get. There's a picture of it mounted on a Zeiss icon. Mm. Yeah. So I think he, he should get. He should get a Zeiss icon to mount. The lens onto, but get a silver Zeiss icon and get the black lens. Oh, that's, that's acceptable. It's not the yeah. other way around. Yeah, go go panda, <laughs> go pandas. Okay, okay. So, um, <laughs> Perry, outside of the show, how can people keep up with the things that you do? 
you can find me on Instagram and Flickr uh, at Barry Geo. Although I haven't posted for uh, almost a month now because I'm out of Fixer, so <laughs> I'll, I'll start posting again once I get some fresh Fixer. Cool, uh, Johnny. How about yourself? <clears throat> um, you could find me on Instagram at Second City Auto, but I haven't posted anything on there either. Someday I will, though. Yeah. Post and, something there again. You're, you're, you're taking. You're currently taking uh, an enforced rest from Facebook at the moment, aren't you? Oh yes, yes. I use the word idiot on Facebook, which apparently, uh, credibly threatening to behead someone gets you a free pass. But using the word idiot in relation to your own ancestors who have been dead for over two hundred years, that gets you banned for thirty days. Yeah. So, so be careful with the word idiot, people. Be careful with the word idiot. But inciting a beheading isn't too bad. So No, inciting a beheading, if you're someone who has already subverted democracy in several nations, is just fine. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we, glad yeah. we cleared All that good. one up. All good. And uh, so if you wanted to uh, write into the show, uh, what's the way to do that? Well, there's, clearly there's more than one way, as we've demonstrated today. Uh, if you have a disgruntled email, you can send that to, uh, Simon directly, or you could send it to classic lenses podcast at gmail.com. And either way it will be read because we will read anything that gets sent to us. We have no problem with that. Um, so definitely go ahead and send it good, bad, or ugly. All of them will take it all. Um, you can obviously follow the podcast at classic lenses podcast. Dot com, which is now up and running yet again. We had a small, uh, a, a short time this week where it was offline, but it is now back online. Um, you can, uh, let's see, you can, you can find us on YouTube, maybe, uh, Classic Lenses Podcast. You can, uh, on Instagram, you can follow along Best Vintage Lens. Um, what else do we have? Well, we, we've got we've got um, make Bokake um, great again uh, in in racist red caps available. Yes, yes, we do. We have make Bokake great again racist red caps yeah. in in the shop. Um, we have a famous and- a famous um, purchaser of those as well, don't don't we? With um, because Ethan Moses uh, bought bought one of those. I think for for. He was going to do some YouTube um, with uh, with with that hat on. And, <laughs> oh, was he really? Uh, yeah. Okay. And uh, it turns out he was uh, he's been walk- walking around uh, his house uh, with the hat on, and his neighbours have been seeing him. <laughs> and they they're not really seeing what the what it says. They just see a red hat, and uh, they they make an assumptions of his uh, allegiances at the moment so he's, uh, wow. he's, he's talking about burning it i think soon danger da- it's the most dangerous hat in america make bokake great again you better get one while you can because we might discontinue them yeah. uh yeah anyway get one of those um and then that's in the shop you can get all kinds of classic lenses podcast swag if you go to the website there's a link oh, there speaking- all the stuff Yes. Speaking of uh, uh, swag, two things. Number one, I have it on direct authority uh, that the women's version of the Classic Lenses podcast T-shirt is extremely comfortable. Ah. Because uh, I got one for my girlfriend, and it is significantly nicer feeling than the men's version. That, really? Because uh, I, the, I have the men's say, version. I've, it's like my favorite T-shirt. I, yeah, no, the men's version is really comfy as well. I, I have it too, and it's great. 
but the, the the ladies one is 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 something else can i can we say that that's that's proof of our that, that we're not actually misogynistic on this show Ooh, good point yeah that's proof no that's only that's only gutterman Oh, we don't okay. talk about we don't, yeah we don't we don't talk about all the chicks we banged in cars we leave we leave that to Mike Gutterman. Yeah, that's true. We're we're not misogynists, right? We're just gross sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and I don't. Sorry, consider the word to be misogynistic. Oof. I know that's going to get bleeped, but I don't find it misogynistic at all. If you can say dick, you can say. But it's just great because is way more offensive. It's like the only offensive word left in the English, well, at least the American English language. And I think to some degree in the British English language as well. But in the Australian English language, right. Yeah. It's not even offensive to anyone. It's a tomb. like a comma. Yeah, it's a tomb of a demon down there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, but whatever, whatever. The Puritans and the formerly Puritans are still somewhat offended by it. Um, yes, and and quickly the second thing, other than our swag, uh, to mark an auction. Yeah, oh yes, I'm so glad you brought that up, Perry. See, Perry, Perry is definitely the ego. No, wait, the super ego. Perry's the angel. Okay, just we'll post the chart. Perry's the angel. So. Um, the Tamarkin auction is happening like fucking tomorrow, dudes. I'll put a link to it in the thing, but but. Come on. I don't know if you guys have looked at the catalog, but like the suggested starting prices on a lot of the stuff in there is not crazy. Like at, like there's a there's a robot uh royal in there with three lenses and they've got the starting opening bid at like oh, we're suggesting $300. Really? I mean, if nobody bids on that, you could pick up a robot royal with like three lenses for you know, 3 or 400 bucks. And a lot of the stuff in previous auctions I've noted, it doesn't all sell. I mean, a lot of the Leica stuff sells, but not everything sells. So if you're thinking maybe, hey, I might want to grab that. I mean, look at the terms, obviously, because there's a little bit more to it cost-wise. But you should really like consider grabbing something from Dan to Market. There's some amazing stuff in there. Yeah, it's some really cool stuff in the catalog. Yeah. Amazing, cool. amazing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, go to the fr- friends of the show, Dan, Dan Sale. Uh, go back a few episodes and you can hear Dan. Um, and that's it, I think. Um, have we forgotten anything? Yes, probably. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, let's wind things down properly. Um, uh, oh, yeah, this is where I just say uh, where you can find me. I'm on Instagram. As Simon Forster Photographic, I'm on Flickr, sort of. Um, I'm on Twitter as Simon4, and I have a website uh, called SimonForster. No, it's not. It's SimonForsterPhotographic.co.uk, where I have an increasing range of front lens caps now. Front lens caps are the rage. So I'm making uh, lens caps for uh, TLRs. Um, I've uh, got a couple heading to Sweden at the moment. Uh, for wow. a, uh, an Icoflex, Zeiss Icon Icoflex, as in the uh, the gentleman uh, gave me uh, very accurate uh, dimensions, the dimensions I required, and I was able to make him some caps, and he's very happy. Well, he's going to be very happy. He seems to be very happy, and um, and lots of people seem to be happy with the uh, lens caps I'm making them. So uh, so there you go. So just get in touch with me uh, via my website is probably the best way of doing that. Um, so that's it. Um, our music 
is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. And who knows, we might be back next week instead of a fortnight. We'll do our best. Um, so that's it. So if you can, be like Carl.